Welcome to the Get Offset Podcast. My name is Andrew. My name is Emily. And I'm Mrs. Smith. Woo! (laughs) That might be the first musical intro we've ever had somehow. (laughs) I've got my get off pedal here um, with your Black Lives Matter uh, pedal cover sent to me by uh, you guys. So I'm 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 using it. All right. Andrew's a BLM Antifa pedal. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Love it. You know, it's a Marxist organization. Right. Because that's a bad thing. Um. <laughs> oh, depends on, depends on how rich you are, I guess. I know. Well, welcome. Sorry, that, that was welcome very to the show. Very early in the morning. I know it's like I've got like three sips of caffeine. I'm like, all right, here we go. We're taking on centuries of political science. You're uh, drinking coffee. I'm drinking a mimosa out of a can. Uh, I'm not actually drinking coffee. I'm drinking a caffeinated seltzer water because there was no left leftover coffee in the craft that I could microwave. Oh, gross. Yeah, that's usually gross my gross regarding the coffee, not the the seltzer. I've 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 downed some highballs, some caffeinated highballs. I just needed to grab something this morning. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, well, welcome to the show. It's so good to have you on. Thank you so much for having me, Andrew and Emily. The pleasure <laughs> is all mine. None of it yeah. for Emily. Just, it's it's just mine. No well, pleasure. No pleasure in this house for women. No, there's no pleasure in the world anymore. Just work. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I just so honored to be asked and so aligned with your mission. And I think what you kids are doing is great and uh, really excited for the chat. Yeah, Thank you. That means a lot. That means a lot. You know, How- one, one cat lady to another. Yes. Yes. We, we, we have to stay united across all fronts. Yes. We all have that in common. Well, I, you know, I'm from really pushing the Dems. Um, I mean, I've since been totally, almost totally radicalized. I was a Republican in the 60s. And Mm -hmm. uh, then I moved Dem and now I'm almost a communist. And uh, but I still, you know, I still I'm in that world. I serve on some boards and I'm trying to get the Dems, as I have been since Obama, to uh, include a universal health care for cats bill, uh, universal veterinary health care. And, you know, you would think that this is an issue that all cat owners, whatever their political stripe, could unite on. But there are even some, this is how polarized we are. That's sad. Even some who call themselves cat lovers that will not support universal veterinary coverage for our kitties. It's not sad. so sad. So sad. I mean, Carrie needs to go see a doctor, Princess Carrie Fisher, sometimes. Exactly. Cats and get such a slew of health conditions. And you don't want to worry about a copay. You want to make sure that the cab ride over there is covered, that mm-hmm. every little possible contingency is planned for. Um, advanced yep. procedures, even some, if need be, cosmetic procedures, for instance, glass eyes. You want all of these things to be covered. And yes, by the government. Yes, by the taxpayer. Uh, I'm looking at you, Jeff Bezos. Um, and yet, uh, we've got to get you, you said taxpayer. On this. The hardworking oh, he's Americans. He's not a taxpayer, yes. Oh, right, Jeff yes, Bezos. that's true. He's got it all hid- hidden in, in uh, Panama. Panama Papers. Panama Papers. <laughs> 
about made me jump out of my seat. <laughs> that was a good one. Thanks. Panama <laughs> Papers. I could do a cover of that. Panama Papers. Do, do, <laughs> do, do, do. Panama, the Panama Papers was a complete non-event news. Everyone was like, yeah, you know, so what? You know, and it, it took me years to watch the documentary. The documentary is fantastic. These hundreds of journalists, hundreds and hundreds of journalists collaborating around the world to make sense of this, the largest trove of data ever dropped. And, you know, one of the fears they had about publishing it was like, yeah, everybody knows rich people hide their money and nobody cares because everybody hopes someday they'll be rich and they'll have to hide their money. We've got a long way to go when it comes to taking care of our fellow humans. And cats. Yeah, the thing the thing I've learned growing up in like rural Ohio around a lot of very conservative minded blue collar folk is that they they tend to think that they're just temporarily not rich and that someday they're going to be very rich. It seems yeah. to literally mm -hmm. be how it is. Yes, we need a new working class pride. Um, working class. It, Calls to mind. We also need to revise that idea because it's a masculinist image, isn't it? It draws to mind an industrial worker, patriarchal father supporting the family, the wife at home, heterosexual, white, all that stuff. That's great. We want we want him in the union. You are welcome, and and your spouse, and we want you are part of the uh, American pastiche. Yes, part of the beautiful rainbow of Crayola crayons. But it also includes the freelancer doing underpaid digital work in Brooklyn and they don't know how to pay their rent. It includes so many people um, who mm. are working class. And we really got to bash this Kardashianism. Um, this, <laughs> it's so obscene and it's become the conspicuousness of the consumption of the display the shameless display of extreme wealth. Say what you will about the Rockefellers and, you know, the Carnegie. I mean, Andrew Carnegie was no, he was no angel. And I, I knew him. I knew people who knew him. He was no angel. But they at least believed, you know, you don't display your wealth. You, you, mm. you, 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 you're behind a wall, you know. And then but what do you do? You build a beautiful concert hall for the people for everyone mm. to enjoy at great expense to help make a city beautiful and to help people hear why, why did he make Carnegie hall? So that music would be beautiful for the people. So even yeah. as he was at that moment, the template for the industrialist millionaire, he gave away all of his money before he died. Oh, and so I you didn't know that you see and again, no angel, he broke strikes, et cetera, et cetera. But he left us such a beautiful building. And it's like you see how far we've fallen during that time. I live in New York City. So, of course, I'm always thinking about these things. I'm driving around and I'm seeing Grand Central Terminal, you know, again, Cornelius Vanderbilt, another one, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, I know that someone from the Seagram's fortune had uh, just put a lot of money into that sex cult axiom. That's the only <laughs> example I got right now. There's some, there's some, you know, socialite, millionaire, benevolent person who wants to pay $150 million to build a strange floating island that five people can stand on off of Manhattan. I mean, it's, we just don't, it's just it, the grandeur of something like Grand Central Terminal or Carnegie Hall, we've lost. It's just the ambition for public giving and public service is not there. We need to tax these people. 
We, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a, we can get all complicated about the politics, but it just really comes down to the very unglamorous and uninteresting tax. Yeah. Welcome to our fabulous podcast. Welcome to this <laughs> podcast. It's about guitars. Taxes coming for you. <laughs> you're gonna pay more in them, but you're a rich person. You're gonna pay more taxes. Yeah. An anthem for the people. Feel the free people. to cut that entire section. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's gold. That's gold. Um, I don't get to talk about this stuff with most of these podcasts. <laughs> They're like, no. Well, it's important. Please, it, it needs to be talked about. It needs to. This this is the sort of thing, whether it be in our industry or anywhere else, it's so relevant to where we're at right now. And to have the opportunity to be able to have that discussion respectfully and uh, to be able to make jokes about it, it just just completely foil some of the way that we we've seen these discussions had, whether it be in the Facebook comments or or elsewhere, mm-hmm. just is it's always super refreshing. Um, it's very hard because I'm double minded about it. And anyone who follows me closely, it's so clear that I'm double minded because I am an emotional person and I. I, I struggle to maintain emotional equilibrium. I'm going to be honest. Why? Because my best friend, who happens to be a cat, Carlisle, is not in my corporeal life. Okay? He's not with me physically. He's with me spiritually. He's not dead. He's alive. But he's not by my side. And I am almost on the edge of buying a little kitten and getting my pet psychic to do a body switch. That's how desperate I am. And I am consulting global cat bioethicists to know, is it ethical to transport the soul of a kitten into my Carlisle? And then we'll search for Carlisle, which will be the new kitten. And then when they're reunited, we'll redo the switch. This is why I have no equilibrium. I mean, I had no equilibrium when I had Carlisle too. So it's just an issue, but it's more of an issue. And also. In these times, there's so much stress. And so I started when the thing was elected. I said, don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. I don't, my first thought when he was elected, I was, of course, I was shocked to see the map turn red. And I thought, this is suspicious. I don't, I sense interference. I'm not a big Russia gate type, but it's clear that there was interference. I don't think he's, you know, on the take with them. I just think he's an opportunist. But when the thing was elected, I said, don't just don't give him any oxygen. Stay focused. But I did make a show that was focused around my being um, taken captive by a Norwegian death metal band and the Stockholm syndrome, because I felt that we were living through the Stockholm syndrome with him. And so I kind of just did it like it, it, it displaced, you know, see, disguised. And people could sense that the show is about this dilemma. But as of, you know, March, when now he's killing people and with the yeah. income inequality and the climate, I just said, I, if I stay silent, it's like I'm, I'm just I'm being opportunistic and I'm saying, well, I want more people to stream my music and, you know, not be offended by what I'm saying and unfollow me than making a difference. And it felt uh, not right. But 
what I will say, and this is a long thought, feel free to edit, but what I will say is this, when I speak out, it's been very hard because then the, the comment threads become very angry and I don't like very that. Very quickly. Very yeah. quickly. And then I think, oh, I created a little room in my world and when I open the door, there's people throwing knives at each other and then i blocking people and and that feels gross and mm-hmm. it just... And I know that the algorithms are such that when that activity is happening on a thread, it gets promoted and more people see it. And I, it just, I've struggled with how to do it in a pro-social way. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. One quick question of clarification, just for, for anyone who might not have picked up on it, on it so far. Uh, the thing, we're, we're talking about the Tangerine Palpatine, correct? Yes, we're talking about the um, man-child narcissistic personality disorder, the dysfunctional father at the, the head of the family table, and then seated next to is the spouse saying, I don't see it. Why, why are you taking everything he says so seriously? That's your, your, your problem is that you take everything so seriously. You know, and then next oh, to man, him, I just got Thanksgiving vibes like crazy. <laughs> and then next to him is the older brother who tries to outdo him by being even crueler and is a torturer. Then there's the, the daughter who is acting out in outrageous ways with, um, you know, older men, you know, that. We've all become the sim- symptomology. Uh, I suggest everyone have a look at adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional families because we all start to fulfill our role. And I found myself fulfilling a role. I would I would post something and then I would get so angry at the response that I would then post more to make them more angry. And so, you know, that's not – that's now I'm in the dynamic I don't have my freedom. I'm not free. I'm not free at all. I'm not choosing. I'm acting out of emotion. And so it's, it can trap you. It's like you're, you, you think you've escaped the room only to realize there's another escape hatch. And it takes so much practice to, to disassociate those things. So like to stop, to realize why you're doing the way, the things that you're doing and to I, have, I more have control had- over them. I have had so much uh, therapy and psychiatry, psychoanalysis. I have group therapies. I've done so much work and it, it's, all, it's layer after layer. And I find my trauma issues are more triggered now than ever. And what I'm hearing from people in the recovery communities is that, you know, folks with long-term sobriety are losing their sobriety, the stress of the pandemic the stress of of having this man's ideas broadcast into our world. If he was a, a, I don't really believe there's such a thing as a principled Republican, but let's say it was Mitt Romney, you know, policy wise, I policy wise, I would have a lot to say to someone like that, but there would not be that dysfunctional personality, which is a a whole other drama that has unleashed demons. Do you but, think Mitt Romney would have told people to not wear masks or even George W. Bush for that matter? Or, or, or John Reagan McCain or there, there's at least a level of of at least public dignity. Uh, policy be damned. At least there's this standard for what public discourse looked like. And of course, it got yeah. snippy and a little disrespectful at it times. It wasn't and this always is, good. This is 100 percent a departure from every socially acceptable norm that we've had up until this point. And it now, throws the whole dynamic. 
now what needs radicalizing people on both sides too now what needs to be said is the cruelty that he flagrantly displays uh which is uh, is the the autocrat's cruelty and 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 also the trolling that he does is meant to convey that i have power and i will exert power regardless of the truth that's why he can change his positions and his followers just think it's great the the the, the fact is that these principled quote unquote conservatives they wanted all of that to be subtext they wanted to be to say a la reagan george bush and even some of the democrats you hard-working americans read white suburban americans uh you know don't want to be afraid of crime you know interpret that black people you know they wanted all of the racism and all of that to be subtext and they wanted to exploit it for their political purposes and then transfer wealth uh, to the ultra wealthy and they thought they could get away with it well guess what was being built in the underground bunker a monster and it's come up from the underground and it's eating you too (laughs) that seems to be the case yeah yeah uh should we talk about guitars? Are there guitars in the world still? Are there guitars in the world still? Yes, there are, Mrs. Smith. <laughs> All right, Emily. So uh, what's new with you this week? Well, I think the the biggest uh, what's new with me that I feel like talking about is uh, on October 2nd, I'm uh, moderating a panel for the Guitar.com Live uh, virtual guitar show and conference. And Which uh, panel? I'm doing a panel. Yeah, I'm doing one with Eric from Living Room Gear Demos and Grant from Goodwood Audio about perfecting your pedal board. So how many wah pedals should a pedal board have at a minimum? Well. I have the I have the ultimate wah pedal board of doom. We'll talk about that after. Um, this is fantastic. I want to tune in for yours, so um, we'll connect offline about the the when where. Yeah, it's uh, the first day in the smallest room, and um, I'll just send it to you when when we're done. We're recording it on Tuesday, uh, so the day that this episode is dropping. Um, so if you had listened to this podcast before noontime Pacific on a uh, on Tuesday, the 29th, uh, get, get in your, get in your questions and, uh, they might get asked. I've got a few questions so far. They're kind of, kind of interesting. What I, I wasn't expecting is people are asking, um, about the actual pedal board versus the pedals on it because they're like, everybody talks about the pedals you put on the board, but they never talk about the board itself. I'm like, okay, well, I guess we'll talk about the boards themselves. My thing with pedal boards is uh, it, it, it has to be, needs to be as low profile as possible because I'm often rehearsing, you know, at home. I'm not always standing up and replicating the stage dynamic. And so then when I get on stage and, whoa, this, this Wawa pedal is tilted weird. Uh, it's yeah. throwing off my balance. Oh, no, I'm falling. Uh, you know, oh, I'm off balance. You know, uh, my face just hit the mic stand. This lipstick <laughs> on the mic. Oh, now what? You know, you you. There's always something with you. You know, the the it's it's so exquisite the balance that's required on stage. Yes. And I don't like to, uh, I don't like it to be high off the ground. So Sweetwater, when they made mine, they were little nubbins on the bottom that they even took off. Oh. 
That's awesome. Yeah. Nice and low profile flatboard. I like it. Yeah, I have a flat. I have a flatboard that I use with Sunday Crush uh, primarily, and then I have a couple of bigger tilted ones that I haven't quite built yet. But yeah, I'm I'm with you. I prefer I prefer the flatter stuff, especially if I have to work a volume pedal during a during a song. I know that it means I can't put the power underneath the board very often, but whatever. I I've always gone with a tilted board. Uh, up until recently, I and I did uh, my current main rig is on an IKEA cutting board, uh, <laughs> and uh, I've actually been I, I still tiered it using some uh, some risers for the the back two rows, but I've I've kind of actually really in, enjoyed the the switch to the flatboard. It just feels a lot. It feels really nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm a short guy, so like if it's up a couple inches, like it looks like I my knee is like up at a right angle. So, <laughs> yeah, I've never thought about that, but I mean, well, if you're wearing night. a skirt, you have to be mindful of this the front true. row, especially if the skirt is above the knee. Now, in school, we always got the rule: if you wear a skirt, it has to be at least mid calf, because if you're sitting there playing your trombone or whatever. People underneath you can see exactly what's happening when you're sitting. You, which they should wait, be wait, wait. You, you had uh, they didn't have rules for guys. What? What? Well, there I got to wear whatever women? I want. <laughs> I doubt that. That's because people weren't able to catch a view of your luscious knees when you were wearing pants, Andrew. <laughs> don't I mean, wear don't wear your chubbies on stage. Was probably if you showed up wearing a pair of chubs, you probably would have been like, no, go home, go uh, home and change. Put on some underwear. Skies out, thighs out. Am I right? <laughs> I like that better than suns out, guns out. <laughs> the sky is out. That's like that's like when the smoke cleared in Seattle. Oh my god, the sky! <laughs> the sky is awake. So my thigh is awake. Okay, that sounds weird. I'm never gonna say that again. But... That sounds like a G, like a guided by voices lyric. Honestly. <laughs> uh, Mrs. Smith, what's new with you this week? Oh, um, I'm getting ready to release uh, a song and video called Antifa Nice. Um, it's just it's just a, a cute little uh, song that's meant to, um, you know, not be controversial in the least. Um, just something, you know, for, to, to divert people from all of this crazy news. And um, and then I, too, will be doing the guitar.com live conference thing. I will be part of a panel. And also doing my own workshop. Uh, the workshop is called Shred for Success. And so um, I will be t dealing with some sort of sh shred kind of advice for playing. And the panel is uh, the great guitar debate. And it's it's sort of all the, um, I you know, truthfully, I, I don't understand half of what we're talking about. I think they're, one of the things they're saying is like, should Dumbledore even be allowed to be an amplifier? And I was like, I don't know who <laughs> Dumbledore is. And so I've got to do all this Googling. Um, it's a lot of in the weeds gear stuff that um, I really can't be bothered to care about. So Isn't I have Ryan to... Burke from Six to Cycle Home hosting that one? Yes. Yes. And he said he's going to um, give me Cliff's notes. Nice. No, I just have to get some opinions on things. You know, mm -hmm. I'm there to be the court jester, of course. Yes. <laughs> well, don't tell Mike Adams that because I think Dumbledore that he's on that is too. gay. <laughs> yes, he is. 
<laughs> I actually I stopped reading the Harry Potter books after the fourth one. Just too many words. I, I never went there. I bet Andrew read. Andrew either read them all or wasn't allowed to read them, so he had to read the Left Behind series instead. <laughs> Andrew had to read the, you know, the the Rapture. He had to, did, were all the all the films that you watched on VHS bad special effects Rapture music videos? You guys are about eighty five percent on point. I'm having terrible flashbacks to childhood now. Did you really have to read the Left Behind books instead of Harry Potter? I did not have to. However, they were one of the only interesting things on the shelf. I was not allowed to read Harry Potter. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, and, what, what, but what your those, mom is so cool. She she has come a long way. And so have I. <laughs> the, 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 the what those films sort of really represent, I think, is just how tragic all consumers Cage's culture career is. is. What's that? How tragic Nicolas Cage's career is. What oh, why did he? What did he go Christian? No, no that he, was um, that was he, Kirk, Kirk from someone from the Growing Pains show did all those. Oh, movies. Kirk, um, Kirk, not Kirk, Kirk Douglas. Cameron, Kirk Cameron. 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 Yes, the 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 greatest director of Christian film of all time. <laughs> well, what it points to is just I I love the idea of sort of I mean I uh, on one sense I kind of appreciate. It, the subcultural nature of it. It's sort of always interesting when, when subcultures have to make culture and they try to mimic mainstream big budget culture, but they don't have the money for it. Right. <laughs> that's always sort of entertaining to, to Oh, that's watch. absolutely the dynamic. And it, uh, growing up and being kind of just immersed in that and then kind of getting like moving away to college and then all of my other um, less conservative friends being like, you'd never... You never watched or read Harry Potter? What? How? How? And, and now you never will. No, and and I did. Um, I I did after, um, after Melissa and I got married, she accepted me for who I was, uh, but then forced me to improve. And so I read through all the books, Good. and then I watched all the movies, and I I've done. I think I've reread oh, those books them. Books are so long, dude. They're so long. So, There's so oh, many I, words in them. I don't mind reading. Um, I love I, reading. I just don't. I just. Yeah. Well, so in the in the same in the same Tolkien, uh, pun intended. Oh I, I I also grew up reading because this is Christian approved uh, the uh, the Middle Earth sort of thing. So it's the Silmarillion and the Hobbit and the the Lord of the Rings trilogy and all, all of that. I, that's I grew up reading that in Chronicles of Narnia and, and that's in a much more culturally the, Christ, the Christian fantasy books and stuff, right? It, but those are so much better than the left behind stuff, which is I I could you guys probably don't want this, but I could go into a rant on how yeah, biblically don't. inaccurate all of that is and how much damage that is done to an we'll entire do a bonus generation episode. of millennials. We'll do a bonus but... episode for Patreons if you want to listen to that. So <laughs> well, please donate five dollars to our Patreon and maybe Andrew well, biblical will accuracy a very is a long little rant bit for you. Hard to defend anyway. I mean I think the the, the the, I mean, maybe you're saying the – well, I mean, as I understand it, the issue with the Bible emerged when it began to be misinterpreted as logos versus versus mythos, yes? So uh, you, it was understood that the stories in the Bible are mm -hmm. a psychological experience, okay? These are, these are fables. Basically, this is – religion is how people did psychology before they had psychology, 
and stables without animals exactly and and then we had to uh and then people said oh no 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 this is actually real you know you know she really did come from his rib it's like okay um no (laughs) this is not scientific fact and uh and now here we are um but for a long time people understood these to be myths to live by there am i am i off base about that there there, you're correct to a degree and to to briefly how dare you know how dare you uh I come here into your home. You serve me caffeinated sparkling water. And then you do that? I know, I know. I I think that idea is Karen McDonald's. I think that idea is Karen McDonald's in her history of Christianity. But continue. So I will caveat all of this. This is my understanding based on what I learned in my undergrad theology degree. And by there is several perspectives on this, but the, the perspective that I tend to ascribe to uh, is looking at things from a biblical literature perspective is there's so many different forms of literature throughout what's uh, considered the canonical Bible. That was around 300 AD uh, council of Nicaea, all that good stuff. Uh, so based on that particular text, as we've accepted it, there's several sections that are definitely not meant to be historically taken. And it wasn't until about the 1800s in Western uh, what was to become evangelicalism that that literalism started to happen kind of on the backside of this hellfire and brimstone rhetoric. So it's a it was a response to empiricism because the material world began, began to be mapped with such great precision by science that then religion started to, in a way, use the rules of empiricism to uh, – but to, to set it against something that it is, is – again, it's – there's logos and mythos. Logos is logic. Mythos – these are two separate realms. And so – Well, that, that, that's also a Greek concept and Greek – only, only even just – chunks of the new testament are in greek and if you're we're looking at hebrew and aramaic for the rest of it and that's an even older that's an even older culture and an even more ancient level of uh, breaking down the how truth is portrayed um going farther back do you do you really do you really expect people to listen to this podcast when we're going on and on like this Sweet. Jesus, Which kind y'all. of cable should I use so the radio doesn't get picked up? I'm getting ham radio from the truckers. Breaker, breaker, 419. And I have a couple pedals that do that. <laughs> uh, I was, it was like late at night a couple weeks ago, and I was just playing through my rig with my headphones on uh, using the Iridium as, as my headphone amp. And I just had this strange idea. So I, I turned on every gain pedal I had and turned it all the way up um, and kind of just set, um, I, I used my, my Scarlet to bring down the level that was actually going to my headphones. So I didn't burn those out. Uh, and I was just curious, what radio station am I, am I going to get? And I'm pretty sure I was getting 103.7. Cause I you were a, getting an FM station. I was getting an FM station. That's a, that seems, I always only get AM stations. Maybe it's just the part of Seattle that you're in. I don't know. Maybe it's because the iridium is in stereo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was it was fascinating. I but it was one of the. Here's what really bothered me the most about this, which is funny for terrestrial radios. I had to wait like 15 minutes for a commercial for them to tell me what station it was. <laughs> wow. So you had to listen to like I don't even know what that station plays at I, all. I, it was a 10 something point seven, I think, and. 
there is Justin Bieber was one of the uh, had a track on their Aww. playlist and it was just like that poppy. But it was through it was through all of this, this fuzz and distortion and overdrive and just everything that I've got on my board. And then I just while I was waiting for the commercial break, I just started playing with reverb and flanger. And I, <laughs> I just kind of hit that. I, I'm done practicing and I'm just completely screwing around. Right yeah. now, right, it it probably greatly improved the music. It that did. Was playing. It, it made it more <laughs> interesting for me, at least. Because what Justin right. Bieber needs is just some washy reverb, and it's fine. And right. a hard he pan tremolo. He needs to go more doom metal reverb. Yeah, just a little shoegaze, maybe. Maybe yeah, just experiment it, with putting it, the fuzz after the reverb. Throwing an uh, throwing a Russian uh, a Russian big, big muff. muff, and now it's a uh, it's slow dive. There we go. <laughs> slow dive. Yeah, I like the. I prefer the no wave Justin Bieber. Uh, I like. I, I do admit, I prefer Justin Bieber pre mustache. That mustache is god awful. Yeah, I mean, but. you could say the same about Anthony Kiedis. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever heard a Justin Bieber song. I think I've heard what like baby, yeah, that's baby. The one. I mean, I think I heard one one instance that okay, got it. Yeah, done. Um, I think. Um, I love pop music from other eras, um, everything from doo-wop from the 50s, the 60s, the girl groups, uh, of course, the 70s, fat. I love disco, mm-hmm. um, I, ABBA. I love in 80s pop music is just so, so wonderful. The new wave. There's so much great stuff. 90s, it starts to, that's where it starts to, I believe, fall apart. I think it was those Britney Spears, NSYNC, yeah. they, and although... Their songs are quite good, um, some of them, but it begins to fold in this thing of sound design versus songwriting. And the songs are kind of meant to be sort of sonically stimulating, but not enriching from a melodic and harmonic point of view. And so now when I occasionally go on and listen, every few months I listen to the top 10 on Spotify, Mm -hmm. and it's a kind of emaciated hollowed out uh desperation so kind of ghostly scary and um the rock music is is even worse because it's sort of trying to parrot that (laughs) the rock music is worse (laughs) i would i would agree the rock music on spot the top 10 the top 10 rock music on spotify I've been railing about this and I shouldn't because i you know should try to impress spotify and get on their playlists but the top 10 on spotify is if you play it side by side with any grunge song from the 90s, they're destroyed across. And that includes production. How can it be that we've never had more of these tools for production? We've never had more expertise. And yet the music sounds hollow. It sounds desperate, empty, frantic, uh, it's really confusing to me. I don't know if it's that the absence of record deals or if it was the time that people spent in studios with analog equipment or the time spent composing versus creating in a computer. I don't know. Maybe the lizard people at corporate record uh, <laughs> finally got what they wanted. This is this is what they like. That's right. They listen to it while drinking uh, blood. Yes. At Bohemian Grove. Well, they tried to do it in the 80s with those original digital synths. People always talk about how cold those sound. Yeah, but now it's yeah, fun now, though. It's, it's it not, is that's fun a vintage now. sound. 
but sometimes it, it sometimes yeah. that it was used for like artistic purposes and maybe not so much right now i'm just looking at the list of the artist mia is on the uh number one song on spotify this week i like her but i'm sure if i listened to it i would be just terrified yeah. of the image of reality it paints <laughs> uh andrew what's new with you this week uh so what's new with me speaking of the 90s uh, Fox Cairo has debuted its newest uh, artistic option for you to order for your pedal topper, Ooh. which is uh, uh, it's derivative for copyright reasons of a, a certain cup you might have seen in a food court back in the 90s, early 2000s. It's a F Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I thought of when I saw it. F Jerry. Well, that's yeah. where that's right. Uh, F Jerry got it from. So. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So that's the the newest thing. A huge, huge, huge thank you to Joe Braga, who's one of her Patreon supporters and friend of the show, for lending her expertise in making that graphic. Uh, the this is she's she, we talked about it, and she sent me the graphic, and I just kind of plugged in it across everything in in Adobe, and I was like, this this took me ten minutes, and I've got this a brand new line. This is wonderful. Uh, so, uh, in, in classic Fox Cairo style, of course, Joe is being compensated very appropriately, Aww. very fairly for her work. Joe's uh, the best. And I, I just love how these turned out. Um, it's also been one of my highest, I don't think it's been my highest selling week ever, but it's been one of my highest selling weeks. So thank you for everyone who bought one. Um, but that's, that's been a highlight of my week. Uh, and it's been, been really fun. That's nice. So fantastic. Yeah, that's the that's the newest thing with me. Mm. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, well, do we want to thank our sponsors? I would love to thank our sponsors. Cool. Well, this week's episode of the Get All Set podcast is sponsored by DistroKid, where you can put your music on the internet for uh, as little as twenty bucks a year, and you can save seven percent on your first year subscription. Uh, if you use the affiliate link in the show notes for this episode, pretty exciting stuff. If I do it say so, it is myself. exciting. Yeah, well, you should be excited because thanks to DistroKid, if I search your name in Spotify, you know what comes up? Me. You, and you know what's next to your name? A check mark. A blue check mark, oh. and that is part of the deal. Wow, I'm verified. They, uh, they verify you. Uh, they validate you. Verified, verified, you've been verified. <laughs> you now get to go on the spaceship when this whole thing goes down. Verified. I will say I need to remove, because they have this feature, I have been incorrectly attributed to two songs that, I've, I, that I had nothing to do with. Again, one of the most generic names in the world is Emily Harris. So uh, I need to um, tell DistroKid to remove my name from because I have nothing to do I feel bad for that other Emily Harris who's like why why is this folky on my page why can't I get verified imagine she cares she's she's death metal Emily Harris and she's like this is really you know throwing off my brand I can't tell just looking at the album artwork but this is either like new metal 
or Ooh. or just some it's probably new metal it looks very like it looks like there's a fred it looks like it has fred durst involved but it's not fred emily durst. harris the I just voice gave them, of reason i just gave them free ad space i'm gonna mute that <laughs> i don't know i i want to listen to like some <clears throat> some underground new metal all of a sudden that sounds exciting oh god uh who's that sounds other... like a quality life choice let's our talk other... about better quality in the terms of our other sponsor <laughs> All right, so if we want to talk, if we want to talk shop and get into uh, quality yes. in the world of pedals, yes. uh, look no further. Earthquaker Devices has you covered in every way, shape, or form. Uh, something I've been saying for years is one, they're my favorite pedal brand uh, yeah. out there, and just has been for so long. And the main reason for that, for my attachment to the brand specifically, is just the way that they approach pedals and wanting to offer something usable but unique all at the same time. And they just do such a beautiful job marrying those those two things together. And you can definitely see that in the Afterneath Afterneath V3. Mm-hmm. I cannot speak today. Uh, Afterneath V3 is uh, the third iteration of the classic Afterneath pedal, which is just very spooky s- echo verb. It's spooky in the most delightful way, which is really appropriate for uh, for this upcoming month in this season. It's Halloween. Uh, of, it is Halloween. We were we were just talking about uh, songs for spooky songs to put on a kids playlist with uh, some of your patrons this week in our patron chat. But yeah, go if you have not played an Afterneath. Uh, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, go 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 pick one up now seriously it's so it's so usable it's so musical and the afterneath v3 just adds some new features that just make it that extra level of usable and cool and wild and inspirational and go make some music 2020 has been rough you you deserve it you've earned it treat yourself get something inspirational put on your board yes none of that was scripted for the record no, that was it, just, completely- it just sounds scripted it's it's my ad voice it's like this week's episode is brought to you by earthquaker devices for the listeners at home sometimes i have to edit andrew's writing because he makes it sound so formal when he types out a friendly email well he he does you do have a a radio sort of quality andrew i take that as a compliment it is a compliment i think did you learn that watching the left behind (laughs) did they have a gentle soothing narration Or did you just listen to a lot of that jazz DJs as you were trying to fall asleep? You know, so funny thing the left behind is there's actually a kid's version of the books that's like less scary. What? I thought I thought the whole <laughs> left behind was a kid's novel series. No, there's two. There's two versions. There's the kid's version and then there's the adult version. The adult version gets gory. I thought the adult version was like young adult. Is it like adult adult? It's- no, no, it's still like young adult, but the, like they had, they created a, like a secondary, like chill version for like younger kids, like elementary and middle school. And it was just awful. Well, I mean, so bad. So par for the course. No, I'm saying like for the course, it was awful. Oh, geez. The bar is so low already. It's, it's definitely. How are they going to manage uh, to limbo under that one? I'm. I don't think they can. I think that we've got no choice but to burn any of the remaining copies of that on the planet. I apologize I, I would... again to Earthquaker Devices. This happens every time we talk about pedals. We wait. What happens every time we talk about the pedals? We just go off the rails. 
God. All right. Um, so I, I don't have a button to make sounds with, so I just I had to improvise. If you want to essentially be a sponsor of the show, you can support us via Patreon at patreon.com slash getoffset. For as little as $1 a month, though we do prefer the $5 tier, because the $5 tier is where you start to get perks, including access to our super secret group chat that you hear Steve Rao talk about constantly on the 60 Cycle Home podcast. Hey, Steve. Hi, Steve. <laughs> Steve. For $10 a month, you get swag, and for $50 a month, I'll write you a song. Oh, snap. No, snap. One person has taken us up on that. Props to Noah. Mrs. Smith, should should we add a tier, like $25? If you join in for $25 a month, I will uh, I will give uh, slightly intoxicated theological rants. I think that's – Yeah. That you've got to – listen, you've got to make it – you know, you got to get those perks. Get them perks. Um, yeah, so, uh, we also have merch at getoffsetpodcast.com slash shop, and please know that if you'd only buy stickers, we, I think, kind of lose money on those now that I look at the, now that I look at the receipt, so I might have to raise the price of the stickers. Aw. Yeah. Buy a shirt. I've still got a stack of stickers sitting right next to me. Let me look in my desk. I have some buttons. I've got, like, a bag of buttons, probably, like, 20 of them here. I've got stickers. I've got magnets. You're supposed to give all of those away at Nam. I was supposed to give them all away at Nam, and I got so enthralled just walking around the floor that I forgot I had them in my bag. Yeah, and I just got so enthralled looking through my desk that I remembered I have a flask of whiskey in here. Oh, this podcast just got extra exciting. It's got extra lit. Ooh. Let's go. Nice. Oh, hello. Oh, which, oh, I should. I think the day this episode drops, all I be I should be clear. I should be cleared to drink again. Congratulations. Yeah. I know. I think it's been six weeks. Wow. It's been- Have you been on antibiotics? No. I So I, I had a sleep study done a couple months ago because I just haven't been getting restorative sleep for years now. And uh, the result came back that I have restless leg syndrome. And Ooh, which, kick, 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 kick them. My, the kickums. So apparently I kick about every, like on average, every 60 to 80 seconds in my sleep. Jesus. How does anybody sleep in the bed with you? Well, it's not like a big kick. It's like just enough leg movement to wake up my brain just a little bit. So I like literally have not been sleeping for years. Like subconscious, like when I'm asleep, my brain keeps like slightly waking up throughout the night. So uh, as I settle into a, a, a treatment routine for that, part of that has been to be completely sober off of every single substance on the planet uh, for the last seven weeks, just to kind of settle in and make sure that everything's working as it should be. And then slowly int- reintroducing uh, some of my uh, vices. So nice. Yeah. Well, good for okay. you. Good for you. Self-care is important. Highly recommend it for everybody. And especially, I mean, 2020 has sucked. Self-care has got to be a priority this year, uh, 100%. So Yes, it's hard. It's my encouragement for everyone. Mrs. Smith, what do you do for self-care? Absolutely. Oh, um, I take a long walk every day. I try to walk at least 7,000 steps, sometimes up to 15 or wow. 20. Yes, I walk in the park. Um, therapy, psychiatry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I attend groups. And I, prayer and meditation, these are tricky. You know, I got a mind that races, 
but I try to, you know, sit still and, 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 and still the mind a little bit. Nice. Um, watching the diet is also really important. You know, pushing the sugar too much, too much bread, things like that. And yet, you know, we reach for those things when we're feeling anxious. At least I do. So same. It's, it, it's been a very tough, tough time. It's been very tough. And it can be very difficult for people to access care with the way insurance and especially psychotherapy oh, yeah. it's it's too expensive um and so it's it's just really i really worry about folks out there and i think it's why we see things for instance like QAnon spreading which i i think it's very dangerous mm -hmm. and a sign of real unmet anxiety um and you know these are good people caught up in a bad time yeah. you know without recourse to effective tools and so the anxiety goes there it goes to these moral panics i mean i think that you can say this like you can compare it to the satanic panic in the 80s it's exactly the yeah. same yep yep it's kind of wild andrew did you did you grow up with satanic panic stuff uh you mean like, are we talking about the sort of thing where like if you play Pink Floyd backwards, you realize you're bored? No, like the idea that there are people walking around in society who who literally worship and make sacrifices to the devil and they do things like abuse children and they work at like preschools and stuff. So Chrissy Teigen. Yeah, totally. I got that. Oh, don't 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 talk <laughs> bad about our local our local lady. Like I love Chrissy Teigen. Oh, I. Ah, I or Tom Hanks. People literally think Tom Hanks like eats babies is this surreal yeah there's that uh, there's absolutely i didn't really grow up with a lot of that uh but i i've also heard it because yeah. uh, not only was i raised christian i was also homeschooled for a little bit and some of the the things i've heard is like really that's that's how you think the the world oh, okay but no i you know the q and stuff cracks me up and maybe this is just a coping mechanism but part of me just enjoys like finding a couple of the facebook groups like where this stuff happens and yeah. just read through the comments and see some of the the absurdities and it gives me a quick laugh and then i realize this is people actually believe this and then i get horrified yeah my but, advice is never share that even as a joke <clears throat> that's my advice because you never know if the person you sent you're sending it to is going to get the joke and because they're in christy teagan's freezer yeah yeah but also the the desire to uh, that's a distancing uh, you know um mechanism and i understand it as well i did it with trump at the beginning of his well during the campaign i mean it, that's a distancing mechanism to sort of uh laugh at or be like ah you right. know but i think what that doesn't take into account is that the part of the mind that qanon appeals to is older and more powerful than the part of the mind that reasons. And we really should not believe that just because we've had a civilizations based on reason for a certain however many years since the Enlightenment, that it will always be that way. Right. Because, right. because societies can be based on all kinds of things. Societies could be based on, you know, uh, pledge your allegiance to this bizarre set of concepts or you are, you know, the enemy and will be killed. And so we have to really respect the the mind and the psyche. As Carl Jung, I posted this on my Instagram, as Carl Jung said, psyche is the problem. Man is the problem. Not man, he meant humans. Uh, humans are the problem, not technology. It's the 
psyche that believes a nuclear bomb should be created. The psyche, which says, there is an enemy that is so different from me, I must be prepared to obliterate the entire planet. Wow. Powerful stuff. Um, we know nothing about the psyche. Uh, you know, we know, we know absolutely nothing. We've had, we've had many, again, 300 years of, yes, rational thought, but we have just scratched the surface in understanding the undercurrents. Well, absolutely. And I, modernity has been such a strange blip in the, uh, in the history of mankind. And it, we're, we have, I think the internet, it, not at fault, but has accelerated our trajectory into post-modernity in this world where now it's not just about pure logic like it has been for the last 300 years, or at least attempted to be, because yeah. I think it attempted and failed. But Let's not pretend America has ever been pro-intellectual. From a certain point of view. <laughs> Uh, which is just from the perspective of winners and really intentionally ignoring all the terrible things. Anyways, uh, but we, we've accelerated into this towards post-modernity in this world where suddenly story matters and personal experience matters uh, to the same degree as quote unquote logical uh, discourse, because the, the shortcomings of logic comes down to logic is only good as the data you put into it. And when the data you put into it uh, is, about how awesome America is, then you're like, okay, cool, America's awesome. But you start changing that data set and realizing that there's perspectives that haven't been heard and you start empathizing with other people that are part of this narrative, you start to realize that there's a larger picture. And this is where the power of story becomes so crucial and the need for empathy becomes so crucial. And I, I think that's one of the things I appreciate about the song you've got coming out is it seems like a, a three minute journey into a transition from this is what I know and believe to I've put myself in someone else's shoes and I've oh. had an exercise in empathy. Oh, my new song, your new song, Antifa Nice. Yes, <laughs> I'm really curious to hear what you thought of it. But I'm, um, you know, also let's not spoil anything for the listener. Um, but yes, I'm so excited about this song. I put out an EP a few years ago. I'm terribly slow with this stuff. I'm just awful. My poor fans. Um, I really, it's like I have got to be on fire with something to push through, and so I alighted on this topic from a comment thread um it and did someone had uh, i had lit i lit up the trump people on my facebook page and i don't know what i said and you know probably like people should be nice yeah. like what do you mean by people what do you mean by nice <laughs> and um <laughs> make america nice for yeah. once that's my not motto <laughs> like um I need to make a hat. Uh, that's mine. Uh, I claim it now. Copyright uh, in, in all universes and parallel existences immediately. Thank you. Okay. So the, I said to one of the, the Trump um, ghouls, you know, what's your problem? Did you go to Applebee's with your niece and she was radicalized <laughs> into Antifa? And I thought, there, boom. I'm in the song. It's my niece. I'm in Applebee's. My niece is run off and joined this group and I don't know what to make mm. of it. I don't know what to believe, lest anyone think this is a pro-Antifa. First of all, I think really Antifa exists, really. This is it's like 12 people who work at a coffee shop in Portland um, and walk around in Beyond Thunderdome clothes and are completely disorganized. <laughs> um, Anti-fascism as an idea, 
Yes, of course, I'm anti-fascist. Uh, as an organization, there's what organization? No. There, yes, and I mean, you know, am I in favor of people burning down businesses? Like, no, we don't know what is going on when we see an image of no, that. That's true. White supremacists have started fires. But, you know, look, okay, if you were to find an example of someone who calls themselves the anarchist setting a, fire, a store on fire, I would say, knock it off, kid. Uh, we're all going to rebuild that store right now, young lady, okay? Because commerce is not the problem, okay? Destroying a person's store is not destroying capitalism. You know, th these are local businesses. I mean, come on. Um, I'm not for it. You know, I'm not going to spend all my time railing against it. I haven't. Mm -hmm. I think railing against looting is a way to deflect against some very real concerns. It's whataboutism. But Yes, exactly right. Yes, it's a, but that's to say it, it does cause real hurt and real problems and and real messes that have to then be cleaned up. Well, it's like and, the sentence. It's like the know, sentence. I don't believe in fascism, but you can't destroy property. How about you flip those things? I don't think you should destroy property, but fascism is bad. Like just swap the sentence, and it means something completely different. Well, my response to people who immediately bring up the looting is I would immediately ask them in a comment, are you upset about all of the looting because it's undoing the decades of diligent anti-racist work you've been a part of? <laughs> yeah, probably not. Okay, now, because uh, I, I would take a real complaint from those folks. Totally. If those folks who've been in the trenches fighting racism and capitalism said, you know what, you guys, stop it, okay? This is not helping. You, you, you know, you're really making it tough for us. I, I would say like, okay, I have to respect that because I'm not out there doing that work every day. Um, but these are people who just want to, it's just, look, we know what it's mm -hmm. all about. But I was interested in Antifa as a topic for a song because it seemed to me to be an example of what a, psychoanal a psychoanalyst would call an overdetermined concept. Uh, there are there are probably five million Antifas. It means so much to everyone. It's sort of despised by everyone. I mean, you know, there's very few people who say like I'm for Antifa, right? Maybe the people in it. Um, the you know, I love um, it, you know, the young the young gentleman who was in the Netflix documentary. Um, I'm gonna look up his name. Uh, Daryl Lamont Jenkins. Uh, you've got to see the documentary he's in. Daryl Lamont Jenkins. It's about the alt-right, but he's, he's an anti-fascist. He's Antifa. He's an African-American young man. And typically the Antifa looking, you know, it, it seems like a, a white thing and it has a kind of punk aesthetic yeah. and everything. But, you know, he says Antifa is anti-racist and, and everyone should be anti-fascist. And I was really inspired by him. Um, but there's very few people you will find who will stand up for Antifa. I mean, the liberals don't like them. The, of course, the conservatives are turning it into um, a label like terrorist yeah. after 9-11. Mm -hmm. It can be sort of applied to anyone right now. It, you know, New York City, I'm told by Donald Trump, is an anarchist oh, so city. Oh, Seattle. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We're an anarchist yeah, jurisdiction. <laughs> Reading. I would love it if if, if Cuomo was uh, quoting Bakunin and we were forming uh, workers syndicates, but I don't <laughs> see it happening. So, the, you know, but so it's 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 the song is to me is really about the confusion of the moment and really not knowing mm -hmm. um, and, and saying, OK, my niece, she's going to join them, you know, and yet I also fear like I think she's going to kill me. Mm -hmm. But, you know, she's going to change on me. I mean, and not knowing. Yeah. 
I mean, that's that is very real. Um, just not understanding what it is. I mean, it's scary to see a bunch of people like all dressed in black, like they don't know what they're doing or what they're up to or what really Antifa means. But you do know what you've been told and what you've heard on the <laughs> show. I'm gonna bleep that. Bleep. Yeah, we don't say that name around these parts. <laughs> oh, just wait for the video. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I love the Just song. wait for the video. I think Andrew might have been on mute one when, when he was listening to it, which is probably wise, but I was just like giggling. <laughs> oh, I was fully enjoying it. Absolutely. I was on mute. And, yeah. uh, uh, but no, people, there's so much fear from so many different perspectives in this whole mess. And I, it, and I think that's part of the, that's largely I think I can safely attribute that to the tangerine Palpatine throwing a mon monkey wrench into the whole equation of what discourses look like. But you mm -hmm. add that that level of fear from so many different perspectives, like from from every single person on the spectrum who's involved in this. And suddenly it become this becomes war. It becomes uh, people fear what they don't understand. And so when you get to that level of fear where you become combative, you're no longer interested in understanding. And then you've just got this really nasty cycle that starts happening. Well, it's also very difficult to do satire um, because Trump is a satirist. Part of what he does is use comedy as a weapon. And I, I have all, I'm not going to get into it, but I have all these theories about how the court jester is running amok. You know, basically the court jester is in the king's chair and there's, a, you know, all the roles, the archetypes have all gotten mishmashed and mixed and blended. There's no boundaries to social roles. Jur you know, comedians are journalists. Journalists are comedians. Mm -hmm. Politicians are entertainers. I mean, it's all it, it, it's like there's no boundaries, but satire is very difficult in this moment and i tried to ask myself well what could be fun or funny if i put myself in the position of a woman who you know believes that her niece is going to kill her because she joined antifa that you know has been told that antifa is coming to kill white people in the suburbs and i mean it really i had to grapple you know with the fact that these news organizations sinclair fox news have been really radicalizing my generation, the boomer generation of you have these older white people who believe these very intense conspiracy yeah. theories uh, and really believe that uh, people are coming to kill them in the name of anarchism or Black Lives Matter. And it's uh, it's so intense to think that this is is real. Uh, it, it's surreal. Mm hmm. Totally. And and that's a tough landscape to do political comedy or political art. And I, and I think it's why there's so little good political art. You know, if you're doing jokes about how George Bush talks or, you know, Reagan and, you know, Saturday Night Live impersonations that, you know, and just poking fun at their personality or whatever, you can do that. Mm -hmm. But but we've we've entered such a berserker realm a sort of post 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 modernistic um that the subject of satire is using satire. Mm -hmm. It's it's complex. Yeah. No, it is. But the song is really, really great. I, I loved listening to it. And I think I, I, I we mentioned this kind of in the, the pre-show chat, but I just really love how that that pre-chorus is just really, man. I, just, I just don't think people do a lot of great pre-choruses right now. Like. Oh, well, I'll, let me. I, I My favorite for everything now with rock is ghost. Yeah. I just think they are nailing it with 
it's just nostalgic enough, but it doesn't seem like schmaltzy. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's not like a spinal tap act. Yeah. Um, but there is there what I would call citational um, without being pulled into parody. Um, and, and I've heard him, uh, Tobias, mention that, the importance of nostalgia. Um, there's so many artifacts. We've, they've piled up over the decades, the pop cultural artifacts. It feels very hard to do something new. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels that new things are really old things that have been repackaged. Interesting stuff. Yeah. No, they're killing I mean, it. But, well, and even just on that concept, I, you know, it, hearing you talk about the concept really brings out the thoughts I've been having about the, the, the new topper design and finding myself wanting to not to, sorry, not to hijack the conversation a little bit here, but the to feel that the the importance of nostalgia as a grounding mechanism and as soon as i launched this and realized that it was connected with other people i found myself gravitating towards what other what other pop culture relics can i latch onto for this and and to really do do a little bit of grounding on a cultural level for for people in my circles well the um Mark Fisher is an intellectual I've become interested in lately. Uh, he wrote an excellent article called Exiting the Vampire Castle, which is actually about uh, identity politics on the left. But he also talked about um, hauntology and culture and the feeling that starting in the 90s, we're sort of living in a, like a, a kind of a hall of memories that there's very little that seems genuinely new. And um, he interrogated this idea. I wish I, I, I should really even should be talking about it because I don't know as much about it as I would like. But that's part of this nostalgia feeling of, of what is new, you know? And, and I, I believe it's part of what people like in me is the feeling that something they recognize, perhaps they're a fan of a certain style of guitar playing or a certain kind of comedic persona. And they feel that it's come back in a slightly newer package. And, and so it's it's interesting to think about what is new, what is old, come back again. Um, how do these things make us feel, you know, et cetera? Oh, absolutely. Well, and I, I've been a fan of your work for, for quite some time now. And I, I think that's absolutely. But you never reached out. You know, you never <laughs> got a hold of me. You never, there were never any DMs like, keep going, lady. You're great. Oh, I, you know, and so you have to understand that, 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 that you say you're my fan and then yet there's just this silence on my end. I hear nothing. Right. And I, I can appreciate that. Um, I mean, all right. So it gave me a quick moment to collect my thoughts. And first of all, I wanted to apologize for not having reached out and just, it, I feel like I'm so, so small in this world. I, I, I always feel really strange about reaching out to the folks that I, that I look up to and whose art that I really appreciate. So, well, can I tell everyone listening, please reach out, please, please reach out. But I just, I want to say some rules about reaching yes, out. Yes, there are rules. Um, there are rules. If you slide into my DMs and I reply, which I do reply, it is not an assistant. There is no assistant. They've all quit. They all quit within the first week. I don't know why. Because it's a lot of exposure. They get a lot of great experience. I can't pay, but it's a lot of exposure. But if you slide into my DMs, I am replying. 
probably lying in bed fighting a manic depressive mixed state. If I reply, please understand and try to keep it to like one or two back and forths mm. that it, it, people, they, it's like they get you. And then it's like, now that I have your, yeah. <laughs> and then I feel bad not replying because it's like, well, I can't, you know, reply all day long, yeah. you know, or inevitably there's a, a song they want me to give them feedback on. I've started to tell oh, people, yeah, no. I really can't give feedback on songs because I, first of all, I can't know what an artist should do. And I, I don't think anyone should give anyone feedback on any art ever. But you should really be asking somebody who knows you well. I wouldn't even know what to say, mm -hmm. you know. And so, um, yes, yes. But, but you know, keep it up. Keep thumbs up. You know, <laughs> it's always, always appreciated. Yeah, I mean, the, that's the thing. Like, say hi. I, but understand I don't. We're not necessarily going to be friends and try not to push that. And also, for the love of God, please don't find my personal Facebook page and message me there. Message me on the Get Offset channels. Use the form on the website. I'll respond there 95% of the time. But if you if you send me like direct messages to my personal page, I'm it I don't even read those. It's a rule. Um, I think half of them, well, some of them last time I checked them, I got called a so I just kind of stopped checking them. Oh, come on. Yeah. Well, we have to talk about that issue. I, mean, I don't know how much time we have left. Not but as much as we're comfortable doing. I don't know how much time Andrew has I mean, left. Well, uh, I, could, I could go to the top of the hour, I think, okay. pretty safely. Cool, 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 cool. Politics, gender, gender. and the gear community. Yeah. Um. These, this is a, there's a there's a battle for the soul of the gear community going on, and there's a guy who lives in a 55 plus community in Florida, you know, with a lot of pedals and a few divorces under his belt, who thinks it's not going in the right direction. Yeah. That guy, that guy's <laughs> opinion is valid. Don't call me. Don't yes. call. Me, don't 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 message me and say I'll see you next Tuesday. Like just don't. Oh, how much? How much of the online? hate do you get uh i don't get much i get a i get an occasional weird youtube comment and i get an occasional like direct message uh with some sometimes yeah what was what was the guy who like he sent me a couple of polite messages and then he just sent me like a oh, really nasty yeah. one i'm like why and i've messaged oh, no, andrew I'm like you need to, one, then. I'm like you need to respond to that andrew because <laughs> i'm not gonna oh yeah 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 well yeah that's sometimes um because we both share the, the access to the same social media for, mm -hmm. for the podcast is uh, sometimes if I see something getting that's not really okay on several levels, I'll jump in like, hey, by the way, there's also a man here. Which one of us were you addressing? <laughs> are, are you calling me cute? Or you say when, you, about when you say, hey, baby, how are you doing? Are you talking to me? Or are you talking yeah. to her? I learned that the hard way in college. I ran a blog in Nashville called Nashville for free. And I was really a little too too nice to someone who was just messaging me on Twitter. And then it got really weird really quickly. Um, and I was like, Oh, we're not friends. Like you gotta, you got, like, I don't want to have any personal conversations with you. Like I just had to stop messaging the guy. Cause he would just like message me to chat. And I'm like, this feels uncomfortable. This just feels uncomfortable. It got really weird. There's very few people that I want to chat over DM yeah. with. If I, if I'm friends with you or colleagues, um, yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, if I know you, 
Um, but people I don't know, I really don't want to be chatting with. There's opportunities for interaction yeah. uh, on the comment threads. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that that sort of personal level of involvement, it's part of the fun of social media. You know, oh my gosh, a famous person liked my status. You know, I, I mean, I get that little thrill. We all do. Or so-and-so yeah. is following me. Um, but, you know, it's just this, this idea that of, of like uh, trying to pen pal with people. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to be unkind, but like, there's something just a slightly like selfish about it. It's, it's, it's sort of, um, it's like, uh, I mean, you know, all, we, you know, we, you know how we all talk, you know, we're, we're all in the biz. So like whether you're doing the gear or you're a performer, and I was chatting with a, a guitar playing friend and we, we did realize that our biggest pet peeve is when we would post about a show. So it's like, I get a show. Okay. I got a gig. I'm, I'm working. You post the event on Facebook or a flyer for the show on Instagram. And the comments are filled with people who cannot make it. Oh God. I know. <laughs> but also who say, and actually we'll say this. Let me know when you're going to be in Sacramento. Oh, God. And I've even had people direct message me and say, let me know when you're going to be in Anaheim. How about you join my email list or subscribe to me on Bands in Town or something? And that's the I mean, and to way. me, there is, it, it really, uh, it's, I mean, you just shake your head and go, you think you're something else, yeah, don't you? you think you're really entitled to the time. I mean, how could I possibly service individually all of these people? Yeah. That That's not how this works. <laughs> so it's always kind you of know, hilarious. I think that part of it is those people are jumping in and hoping that then you'll be friends. And I like having friends, but I, it's not, that's not how you do it. That's just not. True. Yeah, I think they they want you to say, oh, yeah, I'll be in Sacramento in May. And then they'll be like, we should hang out. Like, no. No, here's what will happen. This is what will happen. They will say that. And then when you are there and you say, I'm here, I'm in Rochester, they will say, I can't make it. <laughs> That's also true. I, I once had someone who's claimed to be a huge fan say, you know, oh, you're coming to Rochester. I'm going to try to make it. You know, please don't tell me that. Yeah. Please, please do not. That uh, I have, I, I've tr traveled hours to be here. It's down the street from your house, mm -hmm. and then it was like, hey, I thought we could hang out and jam uh, at my I house. <laughs> it's like, no, no, I am here. You come mm -hmm, here. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had to say this to this That's person. Bonkers. It's. It's absolutely, they, they often say that, they often have this idea that we're going to jam together, yeah. which when I've traveled to a town, it's, I'm tired. It's, it's, just, it's everything to do the show mm -hmm. and then, and sustain that and then get off stage and, and make it to the next one. So it's always fascinating. Yeah, And if you take the time to see anybody, it's going to be somebody you already know. Yes, Exactly. It's not going to be for it's not going to be for a, an Internet friend or a stranger. Uh, yeah, I've, I've gotten that. A few I mean, times. like, oh, I would love to see you when you're in Nashville. Like, well, I'm playing the show in Nashville. And they're like, oh, well, uh, do you want to get dinner before? I'm like, no, I have sound check. Why don't you just come to the show and we'll talk after my set or something? And then they just don't show up. Right. Or, um, yeah, I'm going to try to make it. 
that whole kind of, I'm going to make it a provisional thing to kind of keep you on the yeah. chain and the desire, you know, that, that inability to be part of a crown. Um, it's like, it's, it's also like, you don't want to say this in the comments and be exposed in some sense, but it's like, do you realize that I need you to come to the show and pay money because mm -hmm. I need to make money at this? That yeah, this yeah. all this interaction that you get online that you claim to love so much, I do not get paid for. <laughs> what I get paid Ooh. for are the shows. Um, yeah. It's a real, um, uh, I don't think people understand the business. I mean, I think, I think in many ways the business needs to explain better to the fans how it works. I mean, I've even had, yeah. I've even had fans who like, they'll, um, like they'll become guitar students and we get to know each other a little bit. And, you know, like, you know, when they find out like what it all looks like financially, you know, it really is a, 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 a an awakening for them, you know, that yeah. it's like, yeah. you don't, yeah. you don't get paid to be in Rolling Stone, you know, or guitar world. You don't make money for, you know, no. and, um, it's it's surprising even to if people. you do make money it's probably not a lot like you have to be so high level to even like make a living doing this i mean we had um this band called charlie bliss on the show back in january and eva's talking the singer's talking about how like people from her high school will talk to her like oh man you you must be just rolling and she's like i can barely pay my rent and i share an apartment with my brother and his girlfriend like <laughs> yep it's like it's not that it's not that glamorous like a lot of we like Last time we were in Austin with the band, last time we were on tour, the one hotel we stayed at other times was like crashing on floors on yoga mats. We stayed at like a red roof inn in South, like South Austin. And uh, I had to share a bed with the drummer. So I very much enjoy joking with him about that. Well, there's a, um, often there is a, a day job of some sort. That's very understanding. And oh, yeah. the music is a side gig. A lot of, uh, you know, musicians, they're carpenters. They maybe even work in a factory. Other times there is a spouse with a job. Uh, yes. Spouse does oh, the daily grind. Um, you know, so these are the things that aren't really talked about or known. Um, and uh, people think, you know, look, I mean, anyone can get a photo shoot. Anyone can have a photo shoot. Anyone can have a logo designed on Fiverr. I mean, anyone can create and upload an album. And make it look like they are doing really, really well. And, it, it, you know, it's look, it's about the art. It, it, is the art enjoyable? Yeah. You know, um, if you shoot an arrow and it goes really high, you know, good for you. If you make some money, you know, going up there, well, you're doing great. Yeah. What's that old poem? I shot an arrow into the air. It fell to earth. I know not where. Oh, I don't know that one. Did we lose Andrew? Yeah, that was is a he asleep? Is no, I, I, I am fully engaged in <laughs> really soaking this in. And I, well, I'm, I'm fascinated by all of this, partially because I've been the person messaging saying, oh, I can't make it. And you have a lot of nerve turning up here. <laughs> How dare you? I know. It, but, and so I'm, but I'm listening from it, it really just soaking this in and r ruminating on the, the marketing and the messaging and how – how consumerism has turned this very much into a the consumers expect to be served uh, dynamic yeah serve the servants <laughs> and no and i i really appreciate I, I don't have a lot to contribute i'm not i'm not a touring artist i've only 
outside of church, I haven't really played a lot of live shows. It's most of my career has been within a, a church environment where I'm not getting paid. And, and so that's a, a very different dynamic from, from coming from. So I, I don't have a lot to contribute other than to say, I really appreciate what you, you both have to offer on this conversation. And it, it <laughs> it's you. definitely giving me a lot to, to kick around in well, my head. Well, I think that I just, yeah. oh, so, ahead, well, the joys of social media are those interactions. It's also the poison of social media. It's what's making a terror society apart. It's we've lost the mystique of the rock star because we see them in their bedrooms now, especially with COVID. Um, mm-hmm. And they're kind of like, like the immortals have been sort of dragged down to earth and it's kind of like, Oh, do I want to have a second look at that? Um, yeah. And I think um, part of the Mrs. Smith project, if I may, uh, is to restore some mystique to that, some sense of mystery or what what's going on. I don't fully understand or who is that person? What's happening? Um, some sense of, of a kind of fant- a fantastical style in a way. Um, and so I, you know, I like interacting with people in the comments. And actually, I get a lot of ideas for jokes and 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 songs. Antifa Nice, yeah, in the comments. Um, and you know, you want to be perceived as successful in order to have more success. You know, you really do. Mm-hmm. I mean, because the more you that's, promote, that's how you do that's it. That's how you do it. But yeah. one must not uh, mistake that for the work. The work is art, and that can and art doesn't need to make money. It doesn't even it doesn't need to touch millions of people. It just needs to touch you, and then you share and you let it go. Uh, but mm-hmm. you know, I I I'm in favor of a little bit more mystique. I think it's getting a little tired. I think it's getting a little yeah. tired of the of the webcams. Um and we need we need the more we need the rock stars like Prince who just were elusive and aloof pulled up in Minneapolis. Yeah, yeah. How dare you it's like I'm always defending Ingve Malmstein because people I'm always defending you. That's what I can tell him <laughs> when I meet him. Do you know how how many times a day I defend you? But um I'm always defending Ingve Malmstein because it's like, please, more rock stars that you cannot approach in daily life. The mm-hmm. idea that people would be upset that he would be rude to them, it's like you're, you're, you're walking up to like Thor's fourth cousin twice removed. Like this man, <laughs> this man goes about on the wings of dragons. Like what do you expect? I mean, you don't, you don't ask an elemental to be pedestrian with you. You really are asking to be scorched. And, and so, mm-hmm. you know, I, yeah, I, th- I think I just think it's all getting like everyone's themselves and everyone's their authentic life. And and it's kind of but we know it's all a show. Yeah. Well, I mean, it depends on how well that illusion's put up for whether or not the, the consumer is aware of whether or not it's a show. But I also just, wonder to part what of the act it is. It's just a part of the experience. Well, sure. And. Uh... Part of me, I think the the idea of the mysticism of the the guitar hero, if I may, is I think some of what I hear in that and that it's appealing to me is this the sense of nostalgia because I, I I'm not so young that I grew up compl- only knowing this world of this social media personalized I'm just a guy kind of mentality, uh, and. There, there's definitely that level of nostalgia that I, I kind of crave and want to have as a, a grounding mechanism. And I, uh, kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier, and I think there's definitely something, something to be said for that. And uh, I think that element really has value and could 
certainly last several generations. I just, but nostalgia only lasts so many generations. So I wonder how, how long until uh, without a significant revival until that's uh, cycled its way out of orbit. Mm. Hmm. Cause, cause so I'm, I'm 25 about to be 26. I, I'm a young guy. I'm, I'm right on the, right on the Where's brink between the millennial. I know right between millennial and, and Gen Z, the, the digital natives. And even just looking at kids who are a couple of years younger than me and realizing how much more they're immersed in this and how exponentially removed every year younger than me, you get these kids are from this world of mysticism. And I, they don't, I, I mean, you don't even get that with, with Kanye or the Kardashians because you've got the, the Kardashianism of reality TV has made it seem more accessible. <laughs> Uh, and and I don't know. Maybe that's maybe I'm just being overly cynical. But I I just wonder how if this is the only world that you know they aren't reintroduced to this mystique. If this just gets lost in another generation removed from us. Everything that occurs to me is, and I I'm not an expert, but I just I catch glimpses, and I just see like a lot of like just how junky and trashy everything is. Um. I mean, there's a a kind of falling apart quality to them. I think that they they take pride in. Um, it's it's very interesting. It's almost punk a little. I I, mm-hmm. I but it's not oppositional. Um, it seems very depressed. Uh, which I can understand. You know, I think of sort of Billie Eilish and some of these like mumble rappers, and it's kind yeah. of like, wow, like there's like we've got issues here. Um. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's a very interesting time, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that uh, Andrew has to bounce in a second, so that's probably a good place to to give it a call it good, maybe. Yeah, I mean, maybe. to wrap things up in a bow. Uh, uh, Rick, Andrew, Andrew loves doing that. God, I just called you Rick. <laughs> Just go ahead that's, and sum everything up for us, white male. That's exactly right. Go write right. your history books. I know. That's what I'm great at. I just assume that I'm a winner and then I get to dictate the what people take away from You this. see the grand narrative. Well, I'm a grand and I'm here to tell you, you don't know narratives. And I think I could not possibly wrap this episode up. Episode up I don't know how you wrap it. I just don't. This just, has been all over know. the place. <laughs> this has. I, it, I, I guess I could just, looking back on everything we've talked about and just kind of where I, I sit in this existential dread of looking at the world is just, it feels like there's so much culture at stake in every level of our lives right now that I feel like if we want to survive, we've got to fight for it. And it, that feels like such an anxiety inducing feeling. And maybe I'm wrong. I, I would love to be wrong about that, but that's just kind of how I, I'm sitting coming out the other, other end of this podcast. And at the end of the last couple of weeks that I've had, oh, okay. is that, is yes. that too, we have to fight too. No, nihilistic? we have to fight for the future. Uh, you know, we have to have a, an inner process and an outer action. You know, this, this is about projection. All of these issues come from psyche. How am I, if I, disapprove of donald trump am i willing to consider that i may be behaving in ways that he behaves but i choose not to see because it's too unpleasant am i willing to address that what is the pain 
behind that behavior? What, where is the hurt? Because he is a hurt person. He has been hurt deeply. It doesn't matter that he grew up rich. Growing up rich doesn't mean you aren't hurt. It just means that you're hurt. I always say people... People who are happy don't act the way that he acts. They they don't, and and that. and you know you just it, it, wealth doesn't take it away. He's a hurt person, but where's my hurt? What's underneath it? Will I heal it so that when I go out to act, I am acting in a spiritually synchronized way, so that we can save the plants and the animals and the people, which we must do. Which cats. we can the cats, of course, which yeah. we can do. Which we are doing. Get off! Yes. Love it. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you for it. listening and thanks, thanks for, for understanding. understanding. <laughs> My name is Emily. <laughs> My name is Andrew. And I'm Mrs. Smith. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.